0: I am so pleased to be here, Pastor Pete. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. We are the results of missionary. I'm going to be talking about Islam, but not an Islam that you are used to. Not an Islam you have accustomed yourself to in Bounce & Noble or on CNN. No, the Islam I'm going to talk to you about is not an Islam I want for you to hate. I want, uh, it is an Islam I want for you to understand and how to engage them. So what I'm giving you this morning on Islam or my testimony about Islam is not for you to go and bang them on the head. It is for you to sit with them and say, tell me about Jesus' love. How do you spell Islam vertically? How do you spell it? Help me. I shall love all... Muslims. That's Islam. That's our hope. 1.6 billion people without Christ. It is a Christless religion. And that's how, and there where I was. I've been listening to your pastor online, I have met your leaders online as I share my story, I will re-echo some of the things the pastor has been talking about. A few weeks ago, he preached about the Lord's Supper. And there's a boy or a young man who wanted what? Uh, macaroni cheese. That was his, you know, that's what he wanted. And I laughed. But one someone, I refused and found it difficult to listen to. When Pastor Pete turned turn with me to Luke seventeen three, Can anyone quote that verse? You remember that sermon? Luke chapter 17, verse 3. It was on what? I can't hear. What? Sorry, Pastor Pete. They don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> it was unforgiveness. As I go into this message, you will see the reason why it was so... Tough for me to go through it. And that's why First Peter has become part of my life. Part of the sharing. And you will see the key point uh, uh, that Peter writes to Christians. Scattered all over. In fact, uh, chapter 1, verse 1. He introduces himself as Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Again, a few weeks ago, they talk about Peter uh, in this message. Uh, The missionary from Spain In Acts chapter 10 And again I'm coming back to you And talking about Peter Peter breaks uh, When you read chapter 1 verse 2 He said You are not alone You are exiles Imagine my wife and I Uh, Some of the things I leave out Please go outside And buy her book See some of the materials we have there Get them, our magazine from Advancing Native Missions is there for free. And see some of the stories and some of the things that God is taking our missionaries through. Brothers and sisters, if there's anything this morning my message is about glory through pain. If there's anything this morning, I'm here to say thank you for sending missionary to us to teach us the truth. It's none of my business if you, as a culture, as a people, as a Christian, have walked away from that truth you taught me. And now I'm here. If there's anything, I'm returning the investment you made in Africa. I'm bringing it back to you to challenge you and challenge myself. That God is still in control and he's still God. Philippians 1:29. I love that. It has been granted unto us not to only believe in Jesus Christ, but to also suffer for him. What a joy. I'm from Liberia. In 1822, this country was founded by African-American free slaves who went back home. In my country, Liberia, we had slave plantations. You didn't do it. We did it. Can you believe that? In Liberia, I was discriminated because my mom from the Mandingo tribe, if you have watched the movie Roots or read the book Roots, you come across the world Mandingo. For that, I was discriminated against. The civil war that is going on or that went on for all these years started in 1847, when only 4% of the population decided to oppress their fellow Africans for over hundreds of years. Someone have said slavery has nothing to do with skin color. It has to do with sin and what's in here. The solution to slavery, the solution to the problem of Islam, is you and I, the church. We just heard that you have a missionary in Indonesia. Doing what there? Wasting his life? No. Sharing the grace of our Lord, Jesus Christ. And when you read uh, chapter 1, verse 3, there where I want for us to come. When Peter writes chapter 1, verses 1 or 2, he's talking about God the Father, God the Son, God, the Holy Spirit, when he gets to verse 3, he bursts into what? What does your translation say? The first word. Can you imagine writing to people in Houston or the people who just heard that they had an earthquake and you start with what? Peter just put his hand out. Bless it. Eulogize God. But in verse two, he said, we are aliens. If there's anything, you and I are undocumented aliens walking in a culture that is against everything we stand for. But it is the same culture that God is saying, go. Our leaders are advancing native missions chose the verse Matthew 24, 14. And this gospel of the kingdom must be preached to all. And then and only then the end will come. And that's my challenge today. Eulogize God. It's doxology. How Peter, how can you? I mean, chapter uh, chapter one, verse four. These are people who have lost everything. And Peter starts with doxology. Worship. Worship is part of suffering. Suffering is what God uses to mold us for better things. Your culture, like I said, if American Christians are walking away from God, the gift you give us in Africa... We will come back and tell you, brothers and sisters, this is not what you taught us. You taught us to stand for the truth. You taught us to stand for, for, for grace. You taught us to love and engage. And, but if you as culture you are walking away from that, don't blame me. I'm here this morning to challenge you. Few things Peter talked about It's not just doxology. God the Father, he's a new birth through Christ's resurrection. Verse 3b, verse 3c, he says, new life, new life as a living hope and new inheritance. A few weeks ago when your pastor was preaching, I'm going to stay away from that. He was making jokes about Duke and UVA. I'm going to stay away from that. I live in Denver. Every year we are hoping that the Broncos will win the world, you know, how to call it, will be world champions. I don't know why you call it world champions, because you have no clue what football is like <laughs> in Africa. But it's a world, world thing here. It's like Peter Jennings, it's a world news tonight, I'm glued to it. Where is the world news? It's not there. Uh, some of you are UVA or Duke. you hoping that your football team or maybe your baseball team, if you're from Houston or California, they will win. But that's not a hope that Peter is talking about here. This is a hope. And that hope drew me out of Islam. I pray five times a day. Recently, I met a young Muslim man. He said, oh, we serve the same God. I said, Really? Is that true? He said, yes. I said, what is the creed of Islam? Then he said, I believe that there's no God but Allah and his prophet Muhammad. I said, now, how can we serve the same God? Can I fit Jesus in there? Can I fit the Holy Spirit in that creed? Can I fit the God of Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac in there? No, you can't. But then how can you say it is the same God? Oh, we pray five times a day, facing Mecca. But then when I read scripture, we say, pray without seasons. It is not a position of your body. The Bible says, it is a position of my heart towards God. So how can it be the same God? Help me understand. And then we came to the third pillar of Islam, the zakah. You give two and a half percent of what you don't need. But then the pastor just told us this morning, gave beyond your limit, and then we we'll talk about fasting, and then the whole world knows that I'm fasting in Islam. But then Christ said, when you are fasting, don't even let your right hand knows what the left hand is doing. So how can it be the same God? So the five pillars was destroyed immediately. Brothers and sisters. Our weakness, according to G.K. Chesterton, we Christians will only listen when we are talking. Because we have so much answer. And we don't listen to the other culture. We don't engage the other culture. I know I would be disappointing Brother Bo if I don't quote Lady Gaga. Some of you don't even know who she is. But she's someone who has permeated our culture, our young people. And Peter, Peter gave us this. He says that physical, first of all, these Christians, just how I was going through that. Look at some of the words he described election, obedience, sprinkling with the blood, sanctification, foreigners, dispersed, diaspora. These are some of the things that he's doing. Running in 1989, our civil war started. We were standing, or I was standing outside, and young, three young men came to me. Walk out of your door. I walk out. I said, can I take something to remember, something I can touch? He said, no. My wife was inside with our 14-month-old daughter. The whole country was a mess. And the killing, bombs, grenades, AK-47, everywhere. I said, may I please take this plastic bag with me? They said, yes. And my wife came out. That day, that day we left home. So when you read chapter 1, verse 4, it says what? An inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. We left all of that, and Peter is saying, don't lose hope. God is still there. I took this plastic bag, the complete rest of Francis Schaeffer. That's all I had. My wife took little things here there, and she put our 14-month-old child on her back. For one year, there where that daughter was, walking, going everywhere, she sat there. But as a read Sheffer, he taught me the passion for God. And that's what I want. If there's nothing from this story, I hope this church, which I know you do, you have passion for God. A passion for truth. A passion for truth that you will stand against your culture for the sake of your culture. No turning back. If I, in chapter 5, verse 12, Peter said, this is the grace. Stand in it. Today, a few days from now, you will be celebrating Halloween. Oh, did I see that during the Civil War. This is the worst time of the year for me because these are all horror movies which I watched for one year live. People killing one another. A compassion for people. My identity is in Christ, but there are others who have orientation in something else. How can I sit and listen to that story and bring the evidence of grace to them, compassion for people, and a passion for culture? I love American cultures. Andrew, one of your members here, and Joe Mars have decided that they will be my professor translating American idioms and explaining it to me what it means, you know. Uh, Sometimes I say it wrongly, then they have to correct me, but I love American culture. I love you, I love you as a people, I love your history. I love where your founding fathers came from, to give you a context in which to look back This is why when you read Joshua chapter 4, Joshua tells the Israelites, build rock paths, build stones of memories. Because someday will come, your children will ask you, why are these stones of memory? And you will tell them, you have a story. America has a beautiful, beautiful story. And thank you for allowing me to be part of that. I love your culture. But every culture is like onion." The closer you get to it, you start sharing tears. You start sharing tears. The church, we as Christians, the church is dying in America with an open Bible in their hands. We go through the Bible in America, but the Bible never go through us. The Bible has become a Zen text i go there for my true, you go there for your true. I hope you will have compassion for people and passion for your culture. And above all, a passion for relevant and honest communication. Learn the language of your children. I love millenniums. These are the this is the brack of generation. I just love to talk to them. I was talking to this lady. In Kansas, I said, said, where are you? I said, we serve all over the world. Saudi Arabia, yes. He said, you guys are crazy. And I said, what? He said, no, crazy good. (laughs) No. (laughs) Pastor Pete, I just realized that your church is crazy. Or crazy good. (laughs) I'm crazy for Jesus Christ. I am crazy for God's word. And I want to understand. My oldest daughter, Abigail, a few weeks or a few months ago, I think it was last year, they would text me and I don't understand their text. So, what do I do? I call. Oh, Daddy, you spot the whole thing. You're not supposed to call back, just read a text. So, what she did, she sent me a book, The Complete Idiot Guide, to texting. So, my friends, let's understand our generation so we can be relevant in communicating. Pastors today, they were here, or daughter or son, call, I'm gay. How do you talk to them, the church? We don't know how to talk to our generation. We don't know how to share God's word in the context of love. We walk away and say, whatever, or theology of whatever. Richard Lebo, in his book, The Kingdom of God in America, he says that uh, the church in America wants a God without wrath, man without sin, a kingdom without justice, a Christ without a cross, a Christless Christianity. William James, uh, he's called the father of modern pragmatism, says that uh, in America today, when we, wo- we don't worship God, We used him. That's how in his tiny little book, Pensee says that God created us in his image. We are now returning the favor of creating him in our image and likeness. We use God. We don't worship him. There, where I was, brothers and sisters. First Peter presents the Christian community as a colony in a strange land, an island of culture in the midst of another. The new birth that gives Christians a new identity, a new citizenship in the kingdom. God make us in whatever culture we happen to live, Africa, Asia, Latin America, Middle East, we are visiting foreigners. We are visiting foreigners. Even those of us in Charlottesville who do not suffer persecution for our faith, but are called the suffering of self-denial, Jesus said we should pick up our cross. D. Lord Jones, the British theologian, once said that in his book, Preaching and the Preacher, it is one thing to love preaching, but do you love the people you are preaching to? It is one thing to love evangelism, but do you love the people or have they become object of your evangelism? Killings of the innocent, we saw that. As Beth and I walk, you have never seen evil. One of your finest philosopher, um, Shirley McLean, said that Uh, There's no such thing as evil. I said, I wish you can visit Liberia. I wish you can visit the Sudan. Beth and I was walking. You stand there, brothers and sisters. You stand there. A girl or your sister or your wife or a family member dragged away from you and right in the open, she's gang raped. This is why William Wordsworth, in his tiny little book on Habakkuk, he put words in the mouth of Habakkuk. Habakkuk says, God, you are indifferent to my problem. God, you are inactive in this world. And God, you are inconsistent. That was my prayer. As I saw, you, you, your friend stands there. And he's beheaded right before your own eyes. And the rebel said, next. And you stand there trembling. And then the rebel, for some reason, walk away. And you are wondering, Lord, you are active. Lord, you are not indifferent, Lord, you are not inconsistent. Schiffer talking about scripture, he said, "Make no mistake. We, as Bible-believing evangelical Christians, are locked in the battle. This is not a friendly gentleman discussion. It is a life and death conflict between the spiritual host of wickedness and those who claim the name of Christ. That's the line we draw." My uncle, I was telling Andy, my uncle who taught me everything I knew about Islam before I walk away because of the grace of God. He has six wives. I don't know how he did it. I have one. And, uh, they took my uncle along with his wives, bound them together, put gasoline on them, and set them on fire. Pastor Pete, when you were preaching on forgiveness, I was talking back to you, to my computer. I said, you don't understand, Pastor Pete. These young men who killed my uncle, who burned him and his wives, are you asking me, Pastor Pete, to forgive them? And God said, yes, Pastor Pete doesn't understand. He's a vessel telling you my message, turning to let go. Vengeance is mine. I know how to fight for you. But today, those young men that did the killing and burning of my uncle and his wives are now Christians. Guess what? They are my brothers. What a God we serve. What a God we serve. I talk to people about racism. If you are a Christian and you don't like me because of my color, well, you got a long way to go. Because we'll be in heaven together. See? 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 That's why I tell my little sister, Felisa Felisa, you have a great gift because you're not going to lose your gift. I will listen to Pastor Pete. He sings very well. It's not fair because in heaven he will not be preaching, but he will be singing. For some of us, I can't sing like Don Woodsmond, I can't keep one stanza together. We need the Felicity of the world to teach us how to sing. So get to live with me here now. My students, I teach every Thursday, I was telling them, I said, You don't, you see, in America, you have to organize everything, even prayer meetings. No, just love the person because they are made in God's image. Is it easy? When I listened to Pastor Pete talking about forgiveness, I was rejecting his message. Because in my heart, I want to hurt these people who have hurt me. I lost everything. Family members die. People that went to Bible college with me had machetes in their hands, burning my village. Today, along with the help of Brother Carl, Brother Bo, and our leadership, our advancing, uh, 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 advancing Native nations, we have started the first step of reshaping worldview in Liberia. We're building a school for everyone, even those who hurt us. Their children are welcome there. Is it easy? No, it's not. Is it difficult? Yes. That's why Paul, at the conclusion of his life, he said, I have fought a good fight. I have kept the faith. Beheadings. These young people now, when the war started, they were 12 years old, 13 years old. Now they are parents. In Liberia, that's 62% of the population from kindergarten to middle schools that are not in school today in Liberia. That's our future right there. Join us. If you are here today, like us, if, if you have, if you have nothing to do and you find a place to do it, please come to Africa. Join us as we advance indigenous missions. Peter encourages a transformed understanding of Christian self-identity that redefines how one is to live as a Christian in the world that is hostile to the basic principles of the gospel. Acknowledging that entrenchment, Peter writes to those whom he addresses as foreigners. Chapter 2, verse 11. Foreigners, you are aliens. You are resident aliens. This is not your home. Your passport is not first American. It's first heaven. And so as foreigners, you have accent, just like me. I love it when Americans say, and usually it's folks from Alabama, say, you have an accent. And I'm saying, oh, yeah, I do. Where are you from? What tribe do you speak? You know? But I love it when people say, I have an accent. You have an accent as aliens. That's why people suspect. The way you walk, the way you talk, the way you relate. You are an alien in this world. They will never love you if you don't believe it. Read John 16. Jesus said, if the world loved me, they will love you. But if they did not, they're going to hate you. But again, this is where we as Christians, we need to engage God's people where they are. I was so pleased when pastor prayed this morning, praying for other churches. You see, those churches are not enemies. We are all friends. We are all teams. Tortures. We watch people, young people in this, so I'm not going to gross you up. To watch someone, there's a book called Silence. In fact, I just made a movie out of it. To to see your friend, a mother, someone you grew up with, went to Bible college with, now has or machete peeling off fingernails while you're still living or cutting our ears and you sit there watch it Beth and I know a couple living in Chicago, she would never talk to me when I call her because during the war, these kids 10, 11, 12 they are on drugs they drug them out, now go fight, go kill Go watch Rambo and then go do exactly what you saw in the movies. And we sit there. They will behead someone and they are laughing as the body is spinning. And they are watching you to make face or faces and they kill you for doing that. There's a a time they came, this girl I'm telling about in, in, in Chicago they took her clothes off. Remember Psalm 137, by the rivers of Babylon where we sat? These kids would tell you to sing. Oh, you, you pastor? Yeah, sing for me. If you don't sing, they'll blow you away just for the fun of it. But I don't want to leave you with such message. This is why in chapter 4, verse 12, Peter says what? Don't be surprised. Brothers and sisters, there will come a time in your country, and I'm not praying for it, that you will not be allowed to preach from Romans 1. You will not be allowed to preach from certain aspects of the Bible. Are you ready? Are you getting ready for those challenging times? When Christianity will not be something for you to talk about. Christians, as visiting foreigners and resident aliens, The controlling concept of how Peter wishes his readers to understand themselves and their engagement with society is that we are visiting foreigners. Don't get used to this world. They're going to speak against you. During this Liberian Civil War, We had all the opportunity to fight. We were educated. We could be part of the rebels or the government, but we chose to suffer. You see me today with a little bit, you know, I walk about, along with my wife and 14-month-old daughter, we walk a year. It's like you walk from here to Washington, D.C. You think you have arrived, and then fighting breaks out. Then you walk from D.C. back to Lynchburg. You sit there for a month or two. Then you walk back to D.C. And then you come back again to Charlottesville. You think that everything is okay. I will never forget a saying. I walked for two days, fun food, for my family to eat. And the reason was that every day between 25 to 30 babies were put in a wee barrel and dumped in the river. Because those babies have died from starvation. Mothers had no breast milk. Nothing. Two days when I came back with a little food for my wife and daughter to survive, the rebel took it from me. Again, as we conclude here, remember that God is in charge. Our salvation is of God. In fact, in chapter, chapter 1, verse 13, Peter said, be alert, self-control, gird up your loins. So that would be my challenge for you, for all of us here. Do not lose hope. Chapter 5, verse 12, Peter says that, in 12 he says that, I write this, it's whom I regard as a faithful brother. I have written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. I don't know your problems today, but whatever you are faced with today, know that this is the true grace. The God of the universe lives in you. The God of the universe is watching over all of us. What is in Somalia, uh, where we heard about the earthquake, or uh, whatever problem, your kids, my kids, your work, places of workplace, remember, we are aliens. We are aliens. And we will never, ever be accepted in this world, but we can never neglect the world that God has called us to. This is a true grace. Walk in it. And there will always be pain before glory. Father, we thank you for this church. We thank you for Pastor Pete, the leadership, everyone here, Lord Jesus. Those that do the setup before service, those that are going to take everything down, all the kids that are here, thank you for this church. Yes, Lord, they are crazy good, and we love them for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
1: I'm going to do something because I know some of us wrestle in that you hate anyone who's part of Islam. You hate them. And I'm going to ask Tony to lead us in prayer that God would change our hearts that we would find that the love of Jesus overcomes and conquers that. So, Tony, I'm going to ask that you would pray, that you would pray for Muslims all over this world. And I would like us to stand together now, and we're going to stand with Tony in prayer as he prays for those. I haven't shared this with Tony, but there's a reason why I wanted Tony to come share, even beyond his story, and it's this. I've met quite a few people who were Muslim and have converted to Christianity, but they're bitter. They're angry. How many of you sensed the gentleness of Christ in Tony this morning? Did you sense that? I did.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Pastor.
1: And when I listened to his story at Zinberger, And I saw the gentleness and the love in his heart. Even though those people tried to kill him and killed many of his family members, he loves them. That's the love of Jesus. That's what forgiveness really looks like. And so, Tony, I'm going to ask that you would pray. That you would pray for Muslims. And that God would give us a love instead of a hatred. Would you pray? Yes.
0: Father, I pray for this church. I pray for the members. I pray for those who are visiting today. I pray for the leadership. I pray for America. There are 1.6 billion Muslims who are without Christ. And that's our passion. That will come to know Jesus Christ. Whom to know is the hope of glory. Whom to know, Lord, is the hope of glory. I pray that you will put in each person's heart that I shall love all Muslims. It is the love that took you to the cross for me and for everyone in this building and for 1.6 billion Muslims. That we engage Muslims here in Charlottesville. That we engage them Anywhere we meet them, we converse with them, trying to show them, like their own book said, that if you don't understand what Muhammad told you, then go to the Christian and talk to them. May you open that door today, that they will not be objects of our evangelism, but people struggling with sin, just like we used to be until we met you may this church be a light may this church be salt and a city that sits on the hill that draws everyone without discrimination there will be muhammad in heaven there will be Abdullahs in heaven there will be so many muslims saved by your grace in heaven and god we can't wait for that day and today we challenge each other today, Lord, that we will go and engage them with love and living hope, which is not in Islam, a God who speaks, which is not in Islam, a God who loves, which is not in Islam, a God who considers us sons and daughters, and we consider Him Father, which is not in Islam. Lord, we have the evidence. May we share this evidence in love. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank
1: you. Amen. Thank you, Tony. Let's give Tony a hand as Thank you're seated. You. God bless you, buddy. God bless you. Thank you. You got it. Go ahead and be seated. I'm going to make a request of Tony, and that is that is that I'm going to ask you, Tony, if you would be willing to come to City Church maybe on a Wednesday evening and do a Q&A, would you be willing to do that? How many of you would be interested in coming to that? Where we will have him at City Church Central. We'll let you know when that will be. But you'll have an opportunity to ask him questions about his upbringing, about what it was like to be a Muslim and then now to be a follower of Jesus. And I think it would be an incredible opportunity, don't you? And so we're going to ask you to do that. I'll let you know the dates that work. And um, let's pray. And then we're going to worship just for a moment before we close. Jesus, thank you for your love. And that your love conquers all hate and all bitterness and all unforgiveness. So, Lord, now we open up your heart, our hearts to you specifically in worship. And as we do that, receive our worship as pleasing. In Jesus' name. Worship team, if you'll lead us through one quick chorus of worship, and then we'll have the benediction.